city is awakened to an understanding of encountering Jesus. I believe that there is emerging, even now, this Jesus culture where there's a demonstration of the power of God Almighty. We know that these kinds of movements, in part, are resurrected because people have decided to move on from status quo, and there is this holy dissatisfaction. That tradition, form, and religion are pushed aside, and we meet Jesus, the King, and he begins to set us on fire. And when we are spiritually alive, then we begin to see a city on fire, every campus, every community, every neighborhood, the arts, the entertainment, business, government, and we know that God gets the glory in the midst of this movement. We always must be reminded that we are here to make disciples. Disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We are holding out for everyone to have one person that they are personally discipling. And then that person is sent out, put on fire to disciple one. Right now, we are a small Sunday school class compared to the eruption of the Spirit that is coming our way. It will shake everything out of us. It will create a passion that will be uncontrollable. And we will be a part of an organic earthquake that they will hear from us, from the nations of the world, that down in Orlando, not only does Universal reign and Disney, Disney and a couple others, but Jesus the King has set up his center right in center of Orlando, Florida, and we have been called and destined to be a part of that. Now we know that the greatest obstacle to any real move of the Holy Spirit is evil. And evil constantly is perpetrated by an enemy. And he is always enticing you and me to sin. His strategy is always leading us into temptations. Temptations are not sin, but they can be the entryway going into a path of sin. We know in the beginning pages of the Bible, we are introduced to this cryptic, hyper-intelligent snake. We learn later in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, that this hyper-intelligent snake is Satan himself. And he is after you, he is after me, and his job description is to wreck your life. And whatever God has planned for us, to obliterate it so we live in ordinary, boring, useless, visionless life. And he began his movement. The Bible says here in chapter 3, 
Satan, the chief of the rebellion, shows up and the girl here mentioned as Eve, she and this guy Adam had been created in the image of God. They were under the covenant of blessing. In fact, they were signs of the dominion of God. They had dominion to such an extent that the Bible says they even had dominion over that which crawled on the ground. And they were placed in this magnificent place called Eden. And it was luxurious. They probably had a good house there, 10 bedroom house. I mean, this was an uh, incredible place to be. And I don't know where Eve was, whether she just finished lunch, was walking around in this God-infested, beautiful Eden, gorgeous. And in the midst of her day, on one day, at one moment, the Bible says that this snake, I'm not sure how an animal speaks, but this snake shows up and this girl, Eve, is able to hear what he says. And in chapter three, verse one, it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden. And here's the specter of subtly inculcating the girl Eve with mistrust. Did he say this? And this girl that has everything, all right, created in the image of God, all of a sudden is shaken. Rather than say, get behind me, Satan. Snake, go back to your wherever you go. Rather than that, she does what we never should do, and that is to have dialogue with the thoughts the evil one is putting in our mind and get on his reasoning track. And she somehow wants to kind of clarify what God said, as if he is an intelligent learner. You're still here. And so in chapter 3, verse 2, and the woman said, no way, to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and you must not touch it or you will die. Interesting that the first temptation is about food. Just want to clarify this one page here. The first temptation is about. Boy, we're really getting this this morning. <laughs> Say that. The first temptation is about. So he still works in that area. And now uh, he, the Lord God Almighty, had put like one condition of here. You know, there are trees all over. I don't know whether there's 10,000 trees and here's a tree, there's a tree. You have a tree, another tree, another tree. Hey, listen, as a condition of, of just being submitted to me, just like one, one tree. And then she says, touch it. And then she got off on that. And then before long, he comes back and 
gives a few other comments and he says, you, teacher, you will not certainly die. I don't know the tone of his voice or Eve, listen to me. I'm a snake. Anyone ever listen to a snake? You're, you, you're messed up, Eve. You're not going to die if you just go into that tree. And let me show you the trees right here. Just go up. And by the way, it was not a Honeycrisp apple or, or one of those uh, golden... Anyway, you know, if you go up and you touch and just take a little of that fruit, and it was probably some majestic fruit that was just, oh, if I could only. I know there's 10,000 trees here, but if I could only have this one, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. Now remember, they're under the covenant of blessing. They already have the wisdom of God, all right? So he's trying, like he always does, to try to give us something that we shouldn't have and hold something up so spectacular as if we need it when we already have what God wants us to have. And remember, remember, the guy here is Satan, and he is a liar. Like liar, liar, like liar, liar. Well, he's going to be on fire soon, and it's going to be more than that. And the Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 44, he is the father of lies. In other words, he's the original person that came up with the concept of lying. And he traffics in lies, and then he throws a little bit of truth in there because their eyes would be open. They would know right and wrong, but they would not know it as God. And what he is holding out here in verse 5, you, for God knows when you eat it with your eyes, you'll be open, you'll be like God. Now, what is he pulling off? Remember, Isaiah chapter 28 and Isaiah chapter 14. Remember that Lucifer was in heaven as this incredible angel. He was the worship leader of the heavenly host. And one day, he concocted a thought in his mind that he wanted to go up and he wanted to ascend and be like God or be God. And God looked one out, one look at that and said, Lucifer, you know what? Nice try. Get out of here. And he was sent to the earth with some of his comrades, a third of the angel guys that agreed with him. And so he now is trying to pull on Eve what he tried to pull on God, that if you somehow do this, I mean like go to this tree and just take some fruit that you will be God. Like the new age movement, we are all gods. You're a God, I'm a God, me a God, you a God, we're all gods. Nonsense. You're sinners that need Jesus. No gods. So now, rather than fighting back, she gives in. Verse number six and seven. Let's read it out loud. This is really good this morning, isn't it? I love the Bible. Okay, verse six, read it loud. When the woman, and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband. Now that's interesting. 
sin always likes a partner. We never like to sin by ourselves. Well, why don't you join me? This is really great. We're going to rob a bank, kill three people. Are you in? Yeah, this will be great. <laughs> Eve, passive. All right, dear. Thank God we don't have any passive men in our church. God forgive me. So now she sees, watch what you look at. It's one thing to look once and follow something like that dessert, that cake. You have to make up your mind. You can't go to the buffet and say, well, I'll just, when I get there, I'll just like decide whether I'll have this. Anyway, I'm getting off. Anyway, so you have to make up your mind and watch your eyes because this all began and it had to do in part with her eyes and she was affected by what she saw and because of that, she leads the way for this momentum and this incredible destruction of the human race by giving in to temptation. We have to learn to fight back. Say those two words, fight back. Don't wait an hour, don't wait a day, when it comes, know who you are. Why did Eve fall? Why did Adam fall? At the core of their fall is the fact they forgot who they were. They didn't know their identity. They were created in the image of God. And you and I who have come to follow Jesus, we are created in the image of God. We are under the covenant of blessing. And the Bible says that we are forgiven of our sins. And the book of, Revel of, of Romans talks about that we are justified by faith. Now we have been made righteous. So our sins are not only forgiven, but now I am made righteous exactly the way Jesus is. And when I know who I am, and I have to tell myself regularly, when I'm not feeling whatever I'm feeling, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, Alex. Hold your head up. Don't let the enemy intimidate you. Don't let him tell you who you are. You don't look at your past sins. You don't dust off your past sins because you no longer have CGS. You have been changed. You're not trafficking in CGS. And CGS is what the enemy wants you to have. And he wants us to live in the realm of CGS. That means that he filters and infiltrates our life with condemnation, guilt, and shame. When we become born-again believers, we cross off CGS as we know in the Bible and now we change the meanings of CGS that in the middle, now we're under grace, not guilt. Now we confess our sin and then we are saved by Jesus and now we have been translated as a new person because we have the new CGS. I don't allow the enemy to put me down. I don't believe in condemnation. The Bible says in Romans chapter eight, verse one, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ now. Then it says, who do not walk according to the flesh, my old nature, I'm dead to my old nature. However, if I get into sin, it gives Satan the right to push CGS on me and I walk in condemnation. There's every reason for us to get up every morning and say, now, wait a minute. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have been cleansed. Hallelujah. 
My sins are gone. I'm a free kid. I got God in my heart and I'm a killer for God. I destroy the enemy. I take him out. I've been given all authority according to Luke chapter 10 verse 19, that I've been given authority over all the evil powers and that when the enemy comes with temptation, I turn around and say, Satan, the power of the blood is against you. Back up. Sometimes you got to say it out loud. Sometimes you got to get up out of your seat and begin to fight back. And no matter how ruthless he is, we take him out in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, give the Lord praise. James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, Passion Bible. So then, surrender to God. Stand up to the devil, resist him, and he will turn, wow, it's cool, and run away from you. Move your heart closer and closer to God. He'll come even closer to you. Make sure you clean, cleanse your life. One of the few times in the whole Bible where Christians are called you sinners. We're always called saints. Always called saints. Exception. I guess these people were so messed up. He's, you sinners. And keep your heart, say it with me, and keep your heart. Say it louder. Keep I used to think that uh, resist, I resist you as we just said. However, there are other aspects of resisting. In the Bible, when Joseph had command of his boss's estate and business, one day the boss's wife came and offered him, we have children here. You all know what he offered him. Anyway, get involved with me inappropriately. And he did not have a prayer meeting. He did not communicate. Now you know we all need to be righteous and godly. He did say, I gotta please God. But what he did was he got out of there. Sometimes you have to run from where you are. Like, oh my God, I'm about to be taken under. I'm getting out of here. For the girls, you're in a car with a guy and you're parked somewhere. We have children here. And things are not biblically happening. You need to open the door Start running down the street, call Uber. <laughs> call Uber or Lyft. I'm down here, I'm downtown on Colonial Street. Come and get me. I'm, I'm, I'm running from my temptation. I, I, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to run. Run. Well, that feels good. I get my exercise today. <laughs> Some people need to run from a relationship you're in. You're in the wrong relationship. Don't talk it through. Just say, hey, Jack, I'm done. I'm going God's way, and you don't need to go God's way because you don't want to. Your call. I respect your decision. I'm out, Jack. I'm out. Hitting off my notes here. He says here you have to resist. And he will turn and run away. I like the deal here of get closer. Bible says that Satan is an angel of light. Be nice if sin came with a warning label. Satan says, 
hey, do this, but if you do this, this could happen. Like cigarettes. You smoke, you probably have cancer. Now, this is the warning label right here. A familiar one-liner here. This is profound. The wages of sin is death. That's a warning label. Doesn't mean you'll fall over that moment and die. Just means that you walk around dead. Dead men walking. Spiritually dead. Why is it people in some of the most expensive communities in the cities of America are on cocaine. Huh. Big houses, a lot of cash. That's not a hard one. They're dead. You're, we're spiritually dead without Jesus. And when you're spiritually dead, you're gonna try some medication to fill that deal up. And it's gonna look good for a while, and it's gonna feel, it's gonna like you think you cured the deal. No, you're still dead. That's why when the guy lied here and said you won't be dead, no, snake, that's not the way it is at all. The wages of sin, their death. What is the villain saying to you and tempting you to do? I personally believe for most of most of the Christian community, his major deal is to get us into unbelief and get us defeated in our lives. So rather than overcoming our situation, even though we're facing all these mountains, somehow we allow the mountain to be bigger than God, and then when we're in a situation where we are praying for a change to happen, and it doesn't happen, and there are things that I have prayed for I have been believing for the greatest awakening since I was in the rock house. And Rocky right here was in the rock house, and that's a few decades ago. I've been talking about revival, and you know what? I've never seen what I see in the spirit yet. And every day, I privately and personally come up here, and I begin to talk, and if I could tell you what I see, I see a massive, won't go into details. I see being a part, us, a massive movement. So when I talk about a movement, I'm not just like, oh, that would be something nice. I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about Christians coming alive. Do you know that if the several thousand people here, us, came alive to such an extent, we move beyond ourselves? And now we begin to get one and get another one and get another one until the church just doubles in one week or one month. You say, oh my God, what happened? But I still pray for that. And you know what? I haven't lost my fervency and I still have good spiritual eyesight and I see it and I'm up here kicking it and believing what God said is happening in the spirit. And I'm standing here in this worship in the heavenlies and, and it's like the Holy Spirit said, this is it, Alex. This is it. This movement is underway. Our time is now. We have to believe that God is able to do what we cannot even see. I do believe that the greatest temptation is not all these specific ones. There's one bigger than that. And you have to step back and see what that temptation is because it's not whether I'm gonna drink that cocktail or that cocktail. No. And the temptation that you have and I have is to do our thing, to do our will to do what we want to do. It happened to a guy, his name was Jonah. One, guy, one day God shows up to Jonah. Jonah, I want you to head out to Nineveh. 
I want you to go up and down the streets and I want you to say, repent, repent, repent. And if they don't, I'm gonna wipe the deal out. Thought about that for a while, went to Joppa, went to Tarshish. And then God has a way of getting our attention when we think we're in charge. You ever thought you were in charge? Yeah, kind of like strut. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, Jack, we're going to do this, and Bob, we're going to do this, and we're going to, yeah, we're going <laughs> to, yeah, we're going to, man, we're going we're gonna to do this. And God says, huh, the guy's strutting a little bit. <laughs> wow. I guess I, I put him in a place here where he can hear a little clearer. Now, I don't believe that God makes us sick to prove something. I don't believe that he arranges a head-on collision. However, he has a way to take care of the Jonah in us. And so he ends up in the inside of a whale. Now, I've never been in a whale but I understand it's dark. I don't know how you breathe for three days in there. I know there's a lot of food in there. And you know, old Jonah had a lot, a lot of time to get perspective because it was dark in there. And God has a way, and you may be in one of those places where I'm gonna do this and we're gonna start that and we're gonna do that, but it's, God's not in it. It's like people go and be careful. Let me say this. Be careful who you date because people marry who they date. Be very careful how you get connected to somebody that really isn't, they're not good for you. They're not good people. But you get, tie, you get tied to them. I watch, especially women, they get tied to men that they just all messed up. And they'll stay with them and stay with them and stay with them. Back to Jonah. And God has a way of getting our attention. And after he had these sessions with God inside the classroom of the whale, he came out and said, God, so what was it you wanted me to do? <laughs> well, you know, Jonah, I was hoping you'd go down... <laughs> I was hoping you'd go down to the city that I wanted you to go to. It's called Nineveh. And then he said, that sounds like a good idea to me. I'm, I'm just going to go. He's got, he's got, he's got, he's got seaweed and four or five fish all over him. And he's like, maybe God's way is easier. Are you out of God's will? Are you about to marry a person you shouldn't marry? Are you in a job that God hadn't called you to be in? I was in business, I loved it, and big money, I wanted to be a millionaire, and, and I like to close big deals and, and fly here and there, and then one day God says, I want you to be in the ministry deal. Oh God. Like church? And I, this is terrible, I won't, is this being taped? <laughs> I don't know, I had the sense that most Christians are non-thinking and they're crazy. I don't believe that now. <laughs> is there anyone has ever had that thought? Help me a little bit, okay. Thank you, Bob Ellis, there's three people here. Expunge that from the records here. And God said, Alex, I want you to be in ministry and I, I want you to preach. Oh my God. All right. Here I am. Yeah. <laughs> you see, God wants to work in whatever circumstance we're in and to do something great. I've been asking God, to do, take me in a place I've never been before. This week, 
I'm sitting in my chair, it's early in the morning, and I'm reading this chapter 59 of uh, Psalms. And David is ranting. My enemies are after me. They're, they're like snarling dogs coming out at the night. And this guy is talking about me and he's lying about me. And this is happening. I mean, I said, oh my God, he's having a bad day. <laughs> I listened to that. I said, boy, this isn't too encouraging. And then on verse 16, he says, but... It's almost like he's kicked down. He says, but I will sing about your power. And then he says, each morning with joy, I will sing about your unfailing love. And what he is saying is, my enemies are big. My enemies are ruthless. My enemies are strong. My enemies want to take me out. They're like snarling dogs coming after me. But what he is saying, I'm going to sing my way through this. I'm going to sing my way through these, these enemies that are trying to take me out. And each morning, I got this morning, I was getting ready. I was Singing in the spirit, hallelujah. Tomorrow morning, I'm gonna shock Judy. She's gonna say, well, he's always quiet in his chair. And I'm gonna say, hallelujah, hallelujah, I praise you, Lord. I sing to you, Lord. Okay, I'm not gonna be in the choir, okay. <laughs> but when you begin to sing, and you begin to sing, you're singing about one that is greater than your enemy. And I don't know whether your enemy is fear, your enemy is sickness, your enemy is disease, your enemy is some kind of boredom in your life and you begin to sing. And when you begin to sing, you actually are proclaiming and you're announcing <coughs> that he is bigger than your enemy. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Sometimes we just have to step out and we have to begin to bless the Lord. We have to step out and in our circumstance begin to exalt his name and to sing hallelujah. In a few minutes, we're going to take communion. I don't know what happened in the nine o'clock service. Those people absolutely went crazy. Maybe you haven't opened your mouth in this service. Often we have people who are Catholic, Presbyterian, Whatever it is, they're not accustomed to raising your hands. And sometimes they go like this. I watch them like, oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Well, it's all right. The Bible says raise, you can raise your hands. We raise our hands at a football game. Why? Well, we're just celebrating that our team is good. Well, around here, we use our hands not only at a football game, but we raise them. We begin to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing a hallelujah. I'm going to raise a hallelujah. I'm going to ask no one to leave. We're going to have communion in a moment. But I'm going to suggest that you sing your way out of what is trying to take you out. Be dead. Live dead to your old nature. Be alive to Christ. And let's, let's, let's believe that strongholds will be broken. Heaviness has to go. Everything that's coming against us. And I'm believing a healing will happen. We're going to praise. Hit it. Hit it. Let's sing it. Let's sing it. We're going to raise our voices. We're going to raise our voices. Keep the lights on. Hallelujah. No one leave for a minute. Sing it together.
Come on, sing, keep singing. Come on, let's break something here today. Come on, let's break some things. Keep singing, keep singing, keep singing, keep singing, keep singing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's lift our voices, lift our voices. Keep going. how God can take us where we are when we've made so many mistakes and we have this CGS and guilt and condemnation and shame and yet Christ can forgive and make us just a new person and it's 
interesting, you follow that story there that God came looking for the girl Eve and the guy Adam. Even in their shame, he was, he was on it. Several weeks ago on a Wednesday night, there was a young man that came, you recall, we mentioned the story, he had some drugs and just totally gave his life to Christ. And then he went back to work and his co-workers saw a change in his life. And it so happened that one of his co-workers was his drug supplier. And so on Wednesday night, Pastor Kenneth was preaching, gave an altar call, and so the drug supplier came up and gave his life to Christ. And, uh, Pastor Dave said he was in the back here, and they were kind of like praying together. And he said he just started to cry. And in the note I got, uh, Dave said he just experienced the love of God. We always, in every meeting we have, we give people an opportunity just to say, raise their hand and say, I need to be forgiven of my sin. And Jesus, remember, came from heaven for us. He's, he came for me. He came for every person. And there are no clauses like, if you've done this, this, this can't happen. It doesn't matter what the sin is. God doesn't say, now what did you do? He knows. And I've watched over the years and a lot of people that are standing right here in this room. I watched them come in, raise a hand or come to Christ outside in a small group or on the street or in business. I see their lives changed by Christ. Our church can't change people, but Christ can. I can't change people, but Christ can. So in a minute, I'm just going to count to three, and you say, you know, Alex, I really need to be forgiven. I want Christ to work in my life. Maybe you at one time were connected with Jesus, and something happened. Don't try to figure it out, because your heart is crying out, I need Jesus. If you just... Put a hand up. Don't let the enemy have a hold on your life forever. The snake we talked about, he's still alive. He's not working with Eve, he's working the universe. And we help people know he's a liar. So we're gonna count to three if that's you. And I believe whole families are gonna to come together, couples are gonna come. You just have to go, <laughs> pray for me, I need to be forgiven. Doesn't matter the degree of what you did. Do it today. One, two, three, put your hand up, say, yes, Jesus. Put it up wherever you are, yes, yes, put it up. Do it, do it. Get out of the clutches of evil. In the balcony, yes, 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 back there. I'm gonna ask, no one moving for a moment, I'm gonna ask every person that raised your hand, a lot of people right over here in the balcony, come down and just stand here and we're gonna have a prayer. You come right now, we're gonna sing this same song. Raise a hallelujah, come on, come on. Tell the devil you're not gonna be in his small group anymore. Yes, 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 yes. Hit it, hit it. Come. Come on, yes, come on, come on. 
come. Yes. Yes. Come on, come on. Come on. Come on. God bless you. Good call. Come on. Good job. Good job. to Jesus. has uh, been hugging you all for as you stand here look up for a moment we're not talking about how bad you've been but how good Jesus is and we come to Christ not for just simply behavior modification Christ doesn't begin with me getting better he begins with my heart and this is the greatest decision you've made in your life. Because you're giving your life to Jesus. If you open your heart and pray this prayer, let Jesus come close to you, Jesus. And then, as we saw, these people up here go public and they declare through water baptism that they have, they are dead to their old life and they've been resurrected with Christ. It's a great, powerful, obedient experience of crushing the enemy's powers. So we're gonna pray this prayer and then Pastor Dave is here and we have a lot of our friends here, we're going to just go here to the side for five minutes. We're going to give you something. And this is great. Is this family, is this really great? <laughs> wow. I want us to pray this prayer loudly because I want the enemy to know in Orlando, Florida, on this day, the 24th of March, he lost. And every person, every person represents hundreds because they're going to get their friends, they're going to get their family, and they're going to get the whole tribe they've been in, and they're going to find Jesus. So this is not what this is only. It's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. I want us to pray this prayer. Say it loudly. Jesus. I put my faith in you, that you took my sin on the cross. I confess and believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, and he's alive. I turn from my sin. I repent of my sin. I abandon my life to follow Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin and give me your grace, the gift of righteousness and eternal life. If you prayed that prayer from your heart, you're in the family of God.